Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, the CEO of the DSR Network and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. Here at DSR, we have always believed that in a world as complex, fast-moving, and full of risks as ours, we all need access to the best minds. That is why we have created the leading network for expert podcasts on the issues of the day you care about. We go in-depth on politics, the law, national security, foreign policy, intelligence, defense, climate, and new technologies with regular and special guests that are the leading voices in their fields. We also offer daily updates on global news, our DSR Daily, and on a key story of the day through our partnership with the New Republic. That is why over a million times a month, people like you choose to spend time with our hosts and guests. Membership is what supports this, and members get special benefits, including bonus content in virtually all of our podcasts. It's a big deal, and it's a good deal. Our monthly membership price is going to go up for the first time in our history on March 1st. So now is the time you can lock in our founder's rate of just $5 a month. To do so, go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy, but don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us, support us. Go to the dsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, one of your hosts, joined by your other hosts, Chris Gottmore. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thanks. And Riley Fessler. How are you, Riley? Doing well. Excellent. Uh, what do you got to start our day, Chris? Uh, Ukrainian officials have stated that Russia refuses to turn over uh, the bo- the bodies of the prisoners who were allegedly killed in a downed plane. Um, it's, it's still under investigation in terms of whether uh, there were actually people on board, whether Ukraine or Russia was involved, though Russia continues to maintain that the plane was shot down by Kiev uh, with Patriot missiles supplied by the West. Um, I, I, this is baffling to me how either Russia is not turning the people over or, or the bodies over or they don't exist. And I'm kind of leaning toward the latter at this point. Well, we're not sure. We won't be sure for a while. Uh, as we've said from the beginning, the story is a bit of a mystery. Um, bigger story in the Ukraine war is clearly um, uh, Ukraine's very intrepid uh, uh, naval warriors, and, and Ukraine doesn't really you know, have much of a navy to speak of, um, have taken out another significant Russian ship uh in the course of the past 24 hours with these uh drones uh it's led to a bit of a a, a, a revived uh discussion um with uh, uh uh people about you know how vulnerable are all naval ships at this point uh if they can be taken out uh by drones this was an advanced uh uh, uh russian ship so uh, the war continues there. 
Um, and uh, the debate continues. Chuck Schumer yesterday said that he would be moving forward with the uh, legislation that would release the funds to Ukraine from the U.S. Uh, Senate, uh, but uh, we continue to get messages from the House side saying they will not be proceeding with that. We'll have to watch that very closely. Riley? Over 800 uh, Western officials from the U.S. and Europe uh, have issued a statement uh, warning of their government's policies on Israel-Gaza uh, may lead to, quote, grave violations of international law. Um, so this is a pretty unprecedented event of having so many officials uh, co-sign this letter. Uh, we don't know the names of everyone on the letter just yet, but it's the understanding of the article I read that at least over half of them have at least 10 years of experience. So it's not all just kind of junior level people. It's people with quite a bit of experience in uh, foreign policy. Um, and this call also comes as Joe Biden took a, another unprecedented action of sanctioning for uh, West Bank Israeli settlers. Um, so I think this is just kind of a signifier of the shift that uh, Western governments are kind of starting to realize they need to take as the conflict grinds on um, and public sentiment continues to kind of be more and more critical of Israel. Um, I'm curious if we'll see kind of more actions like that of Biden by other governments. Um, well, we may. Uh, I, you know, this is the, 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 the sanctioning of four West Bank settlers for making life hard for Palestinians in the West Bank when the entire Israeli army uh, has killed 27,000 people, uh, most of whom are civilians uh, in Gaza, um, uh, suggests a kind of inconsistency in U.S. policy. Admittedly, there's something positive about trying to come up with some kind of leverage against the um, uh, Israelis. One of the things that was being discussed was sanctions against a couple of the most extreme members of Netanyahu's cabinet, um, uh, Ben Gavir and Smodiak, who uh, uh, certainly deserve it. They've been, you know, uh, behind the push within the West Bank and uh, uh, been the most uh, extreme voices uh, with regard to Gaza. Um, uh, and 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 they, they, those sanctions may may still come, uh, but this is in the minds of critics of the Biden administration too little, too late, uh, and in the minds of supporters, uh, a beginning of a sign that they're uh, um, you know, starting to use the sticks and the leverage they've got with the Israelis. Watch this space, because this is just the beginning. It's hardly the end. Uh, the United States has approved a series of strikes uh, in Iran and uh, Syria in response to the three uh, service individuals uh, that were killed. Um, yesterday, I thought we'd re be reporting um, on actual activity, but a lot of the coverage that I've seen this morning suggests that this is over a period of, of days, potentially weeks. Uh, some have called this um, a campaign, and while Lloyd, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has said that, you know, the response would be measured and targeted, um, it seems a little bigger than that to me, but 
could be wrong. Uh, the, the world is waiting on tenor hooks to see what the United States does. Clearly, the early signs are consistent with what people expected, which is no strikes directly against Iran. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind here is what Secretary Blinken said, which is that the strikes are going to come in waves. Uh, uh, they, they could be escalating. Uh, the United States has a lot of other initiatives ongoing in the region, um, including, you know, negotiations with Hamas, uh, that, you know, uh, uh, you know, big strikes might disrupt. So, uh, expect these to start soon, likely today, but expect them to continue, uh, and, uh, uh, may be intermittent and they may take various forms. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Iran, I don't know, had some power outages or, uh, saw some of uh, other kinds of uh, cyber based attacks. I think that's more likely that the U.S. would undertake that, uh, you know, things that are deniable, but within Iran. Uh, Riley? Well, Poland uh, is set to withdraw several cases uh, against the EU climate policies that it had filed with the uh, European Union's top court. And this was done under the previous Law and Justice Party, but the government under Prime Minister Donald Tusk has decided to withdraw these legal challenges. Uh, They were aimed at annulling key EU climate change policies, uh, including a ban on new CO2-emitting car sales, uh, nat- national emissions cutting targets, changes to EU's carbon market, and goals for forest carbon storage. So these were all big measures to address climate change, obviously that were very important, but that the previous government uh, was trying to challenge. Um, and this is just part of a broader trend of do- the more centrist uh, Donald Tusk governments uh, embracing the EU more openly than law and justice did and kind of playing ball more than they were. So I think it's a great, great development and good to see. No question about it. Uh, the Tusk government is a much more traditional European style government, uh, uh, and, uh, embraces, you know, sensible policies here and is also, um, uh, a little bit warmer to, you know, sort of funding fundamental principles, uh, like democracy. Uh, having said that, the prior government did leave when they lost the election, uh, uh, something that, you know, we, we can't even count on in this country. Um, uh, so, uh, there is that, but Poland is moving back towards the European norm. Uh, that's important because Poland is a big country, um, and very, uh, influential, uh, particularly among the countries of Eastern and Central Europe. Chris? Uh, so this morning, uh, perusing the stories. I was interested in the U.S. jobs report. Um, and earlier, the predictions were all over the place. Well, the good news is we have the data. Uh, and the U.S. added 353,000 jobs, which is um, way above expectations. Unemployment remains at 3.7%. Um, and yeah, I kind of thought, you know, especially during the holiday season, people had um you know, temporary workers, especially in retail. Retail actually added 45,000 new jobs. But I do wonder, not trying to be the pessimist here, if the robust spending which we're seeing in the economy, and it is a robust economy by 
almost any metric that you look at. Um, if people are just saying, fuck it, I can't buy a house because interest rates are 8%. Uh, so I might as well, you know, spend money on goods, vacations, re- whatever, uh, whatever else. But in any case, good news. Um, Simon Rosenberg had a, had a tweet this morning touting this news as well. So, uh, good job by the administration, I guess. Well, the administration, also uh, the Fed, you know, uh, the Fed did hold rates evenly, um, but they they seem to be indicating that they're going to come down later in the year. The Fed chairman did say he thought it was a good economy. Um, uh, we are the strongest economy of any major country in the world, uh, which is uh, which is something, and um, uh, we. Uh, um, uh, have every reason to expect that's going to get better as the year goes by. One of the big themes that you know pundits were focusing on as they went into the election uh, year was that the economy would be a, a problem for Joe Biden. Uh, I think we see now that's less likely. Um, it's it's more likely that the economy is going to be a plus. Uh, there will be things to complain about it, uh, you know, in terms of uh, interest rates. They'll still be higher than they were a few years ago, but they'll be coming down, uh, and that'll probably uh, trigger uh, movement back into the home buying market and some of the other markets that uh, trigger growth. Uh, so, after a very strong 2023, the expectations are now for a strong 2024. Um, who you know who who can who can oppose that other than Donald Trump who said he wants the economy to crash so that he can uh, do better in the election Riley well i wanted to talk about this story yesterday i was so excited that i told chris about it but i figured it would be better for our friday fun story uh, and that is that indian police have cleared a suspected chinese spy pigeon after 8 months in lockup after they they like interrogated the pigeon was you know I don't know it. there was a little white light there saying you know we will not give you any pigeon pellets if you don't tell the truth or the article was unfortunately short and I I really want to know how they figured out that this was not a spy pigeon and why it took eight months to figure that out but they captured it near a port and, and it was wearing rings that had Chinese inscriptions on them so they suspected it of espionage. Uh, but they eventually figured out that it was an open water racing pigeon from Taiwan. And this is the first time I had heard of spy pigeons. Uh, but you had heard of open water racing pigeons? I had, I, it's the first time I'd heard of both, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but apparently this isn't the first time this has been an issue. There's been two other times where they've detained pigeons falsely uh, on spy charges, once in 2016 and once in 2020. So this is a, clearly an issue where the Indian no, government no, the, is on, and the Pigeon Civil Liberties Union must be up in <laughs> up in anger over these unfair harassment of these poor innocent open water racing pigeons. Um, what's going on with the open water racing? I, that I, you know, I'm interested in that. Like, are people racing pigeons over open water and? Betting on it is this? Look, a I I can uh, I can answer this question. I was really afraid you could. <laughs> when I was a kid, oh yeah, there was a club, and the club raced pigeons. And how do I know this? Because two of my neighbors had pigeon coops, 
So this is what happens. They package up all the pigeons. They bring them to, they start off 100 miles away, and they eventually go really far to like Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. They bring these pigeons in crates. They have little identifiers. They let the pigeons go. The pigeons fly home. And when they come to your house, there's like a landing. Kid goes up, takes the little tag, puts it in a clock, turns the clock. And then all these people take their pigeon clocks. Not making this up. Homing pigeons. And they go to the club and they figure out who wins. And then they got, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred bucks or whatever the case may be. Was it gross? Yes. Was it loud? Yes. But people raise pigeons. Wow. Did you have this in your childhood, Riley? I can't say that I did, but I feel like I really was gypped out on my on my childhood for not having experience. Pigeon racing, bird, yeah. Bird racing experience. Yeah, I missed out on this too. But you know, that's why there are three of us here. Because we've always got a perspective on every story. You know, we've got, you know, the middle American perspective from Riley. We've got the tired, world-weary, foreign policy nerd perspective from me. And then we've got Chris, who's just a little <laughs> bit off. Uh, but Fair. Fair. And he's there, Fair you know, to, he's there to cover the weirdest internet stories that there are in pigeon racing. <laughs> um, uh, no, it, it, it adds to it adds to our appreciation of the world, Chris. We are really grateful. I know the listeners are grateful. I am grateful. Um, uh, we encourage everybody to keep listening to our expanded array of podcasts. Later today, of course, we've got We're All Gonna Die Radio, which is always upbeat as we focus on the things that will destroy the planet. Uh, we've got another episode of uh, Daily Blast from TNR, which is coming out today. Um, and, uh, of course we got all the great podcasts from earlier this week that you should have heard and missed, including great conversations, Simon Rosenberg and Tara McGowan and I had yesterday about the election, why to be positive and what to do if you care about it. So let us, uh, let us all, uh, 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 enjoy the weekend. Uh, Chris will be out there undoubtedly getting pigeons, trying to persuade his kids that open water pigeon racing is the next big thing for their high schools. And uh, we'll update you on how that went on Monday. Bye-bye.